Welcome to another episode of All Queued Up, Mission Start Podcast, unofficial Netflix podcast. Um, what we do on the show is we talk about two shows in their entirety, meaning that we have watched every episode of the show itself, or if it's just one show or like a special, then we'll watch that whole thing. Um, and then we talk about it in spoiler territory. So that's the important part to remember. We do spoil the crap out of everything that we review on the show. Uh, so if you have not watched the shows in their entirety, please do before listening. Or if you don't care, just listen to the podcast and then decide if you want to watch it yourself. Um, today's episode, we are going to have we are going to talk about two shows that that deal heavily on uh, um, uh, mental issues, uh, murder, uh, mutilation, sexual things. So keep that in mind when you're watching. It's very mature themes, very strong, heavy. Um, taxing uh themes so so just just as a fair warning to you if that's something you don't want to listen to then we totally understand um usually i would do this at the end of the show but i've discovered that a lot of people uh don't really listen to the end slate so here we go um we would like you to follow us on twitter <laughs> i'm just gonna be blunt about it um we want you to follow mission start p which is the mission start podcast page uh all queued up which is at all queued up. No, I'm sorry. Am I wrong? That is not our uh, Twitter I think handle. it's at queued up podcast. It's queued up podcast. Yeah, I forgot that because I couldn't get all queued up. Um, but it's fine. Queued up podcast works too. Uh, but yeah, follow queued up podcast. Uh, and that's where you can suggest shows for us to watch. If it's an old show on Netflix, a new show on Netflix, an upcoming show, and you want us to review it, let us know. We will definitely try to get that done. Uh, also, this is where you can uh, request guest slots. So if there's a show that you would love to talk about on our show, you could absolutely be a guest and we will discuss that show with you. Um, you can follow me at Chub Rock Eek. Um, I, uh This is pretty much where I'm on Twitter, where I promote my stuff all the time. Um, and Josh, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, I am at nsabanur1976 on Twitter. There we go. All right, so follow all of those guys, um, all the, the, those four Twitter handles, and uh, communicate with us. Let us know if you want the show to be better, if we should change something, if there's something that uh, you would like to see uh, upgraded within the show, just stuff like that. Let us know how we're doing. Um, with that being said, guys, today's episode, we're going to talk about two shows. The first one's called Alias Grace, um, and the second one is Mindhunter. Uh, so... Uh, with that being said, we were going to begin talking about Alias Grace. Um, I didn't do a ton of research on either show uh, beyond just watching it because it's been a very heavy, <laughs> heavy media week for me. Uh, but that being said, I think, Josh, you did some research on both shows, right? I did. I did. But I didn't do any prior to watching them. I did it after watching them. That's fine. That's fine. I think I think for the other shows that we've done, I did, I did post-research as well. Um, but uh, what can you tell me facts-wise about Alias Grace? Uh, it is, well, the, the show itself is based on a novel that was written by Margaret Atwell. And the main characters, um, which were um, Grace... Uh, Grace Marks. Yeah, Grace Marks. Uh, she was the main focus of the book and the show. She was a legitimate, real person who was 
legitimately convicted of murder of Thomas Kinnear and Nancy Montgomery in 1843-1844. And she served 29 years in prison. And then she was eventually pardoned in 1873. And she uh, migrated to somewhere in New York State and adopted the alias of Mary Whitman. And no traces of her have ever been recorded since. But the... Thomas Kinnear and uh, Nancy Montgomery were the owners of the home. Uh, he was the owner of the home, and she was his uh, housekeeper, who turns out, you know, they did have a relationship behind closed doors. And when she was 16 when these murders occurred, and James McDermott was 20 um, at the time, and he hanged for the murder of Thomas Kinnear, and she was she had her sentence, uh, death sentence, commuted, and was given life. Now, um, pretty much, that's all the factual events, and almost all of that is translated into the show. But of course, because yeah. the show was written as a book and it's based as a miniseries off of the book. Of course, liberties are taken. Right, I think as the uh, the genre is called historical fiction, mm-hmm. just because it takes historical facts but then twists them to make them into more more a uh, fun read, if you will. Um, so now we'll just we'll get into the show itself. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me, as 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 Josh had kind of stated that the show is about Grace Marks and her. Um, conveying everything that had happened to uh, the doctor, Simon Jordan, um, who I couldn't place who he was at first. So I had to look up his IMDb. Apparently he, he was one of the uh, asshole uh, people in uh, asshole students in, um, uh, Oh gosh. Um, Kingsman. Oh, okay. Do you remember the, do you remember the one that freaked out and like, was like, he was tied to the train tracks and then just outed the Kingsman as a whole and then got, I have not out. seen the Kingsman. All um, right then. Well, there we go. I'm well, actually looking, I've not seen him in anything that he has done up until this. Cause I, cause well, that was the thing is I recognized and I was like, where do I, where have I seen him before? So I had to look it up. But, um, anyway, regardless, like she's telling everything to him. And the thing that I absolutely adored about this show, everything was everything that she told was unreliable um nothing that she said could be taken at face value because in my opinion throughout the entire series she is um just very very uh she's she's been beaten down real bad her entire life like if half of what she said is true then she's she has had a very very rough upbringing. Um, so having an unreliable narrator was very fascinating. Um, like for example, Josh, I didn't know if Mary Whitman was real or not. Mary Whitney, sorry, Mary Whitney was real or not. Like I know that for the sake of the book, Mary Whitney's fictional. Uh, but within the constructs of the story. I wasn't sure if if Grace was making her up to feed the doctor what he wanted to hear. I had that same thought. Uh, 
for the longest time, I just thought that she was, I suspected that she had a split personality. Uh, That's what I was assuming too. I I suspected that interactions with her and Mary and others were all in her head is what I suspected. That's what I, that's, that's the, that's the feeling that I got as well. Um, it very much to me came across as she was. You know, what's the funny part, Josh? You're not, what you're saying is kind of how I felt, but maybe it's because I, I just absorbed so much media where this is a constant thing. It kind of felt like Grace was the alias. And that she is actually born Mary Whitney. There, there is a there is a theory out there. Uh, I was reading this morning, and a little bit of evidence to support it, but I could not find. I didn't dig too deeply into it. But when Mary Whitney actually supposedly died, it was actually Grace Marks that died, and Mary adapted her identity and name. That's that is precisely where I got that idea. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been a prevalent theory. Um, so, you know, I think that is also something they may have been going for to create that to cast that doubt in the viewer's mind. Right, right. I mean, it's 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 not totally uncommon for a writer to take themes from actual history and use them within their story. Um, uh, for example, uh, something that's extremely popular right now, Game of Thrones. Uh, George R. R. Martin basically uses the War of Roses as his main main uh, kicking off point. Um, so for for Margaret Atwood to a hundred percent just be like, well, it kind of sounds like she's crazy from everything that I read, so I'll just make her sound crazier. <laughs> um, uh, it, it it it's fascinating to me that. A show that's a that's for that's a short miniseries for Netflix would have a show that not only has such an ambiguous ending in regards to who Grace actually is. Also, that's another thing. The show's called Alias Grace. Beyond that, sorry, got get, getting distracted. Uh, would have like such an ambiguous ending along with a unreliable narration. Like, I, oh man, it was so it was so much fun. Like. Did she kill? Did she kill uh, Thomas and Nancy, or was it the um, the uh, the other guy? Which I can't remember his name for the life of me now. James um, McDermott. James McDermott. Thank you. Uh, or was you know like was he was he just at the wrong place at the wrong time and just helped Grace because he liked Grace? Like there are so many questions that are uh, that are in a sense unanswered because of how they decided to tell this story. And I think that was the same problem that the the doctor had. Like he couldn't dif- different different differentiate differentiate differentiate. Thank you. <laughs> My brain was like you're not saying that word today, just forget about it. Um he couldn't di- di- wow, Greg. <laughs> between what was the truth and what wasn't. And I think that got to him because towards the end of the show, he was like, he was very frazzled. And then, um, like, 
What was uh, what was the uh, Zachary Levi's character's? Um, who? Um, oh, okay, the peddler. Yeah, the peddler, like Jeremiah. Was, Jeremiah was Jeremiah real because he shows up as Doctor Dupont in like the nose thing. Was that just what Grace saw because she wanted to see it? Or was that actually what he did? Was that actually Jeremiah? Were they putting on a show? Like, did they talk out in the hall before going into the room with all the people? Like, it's it's crazy that the show does that. I love it for doing that, though. Like, I love stories that are told to you in an ambiguous manner that make you think outside the box for how the plot was told. And this story does that in spades. Like every episode had like, wait, what? <laughs> it also leaves a few things open to interpretation. What your personal narrative is, your your own conclusion. Like um, the big hypnosis reveal. Okay, is she um, exhibiting multiple personalities or was she possessed? And that's something that also played into that is because in Victorian times, people were really, really spiritual and really into the supernatural and possession possession and seances and things like that. Yeah. Well, so, you know, respectfully, I think people have always been into the supernatural regardless of what time era. Oh, um, yeah. It's, it's but, seances. Seances is what probably was the popular thing during that time. Yeah. I know that, like, uh, people like... Um, uh, Houdini always called bullshit on that, or as you know, at the time it was humbug. Um, but uh, uh, there's a point in my mind where I want to believe that Jeremiah is actually a magician of a, of a sort, and that he shows up as Doctor Dupont because he knows Grace is there, and they did put on a magic show. Um, but there's also the aspect of like how grace is talking with a different with such a strong different accent um because she never did it again in the whole show that was just that one time yeah going from an irish accent to a canadian accent and different voice and pitch and everything yeah yeah uh, like it was like i have to give high praise to the actress for being able to do that good lord that's impressive like that, from what I understand, from what I read, that was not like a, like actually the actress who played Mary's voice. That was the actress doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so she did a good impersonation of the other actress. That's good. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of, they wanted that because they were like, it's still coming from your vocals. Like, we want the audience to be confused. <laughs> so. At least that's what I gathered. They want they wanted us to be confused about the situation. Uh, but my God, dude! Like, also, a massive praise for for the the setting and the feeling of of Victorian Canada. Like, well done. Like everything. Beautiful looked cinematography, beautiful set pieces, uh, costumes, historic historically accurate. Uh, really, really well done. I think. Absolutely, hundred percent. Um, I think uh, 
you know, one one of the more visceral moments of the show was when Grace is retelling her journey from Ireland to Canada and being on the boat for weeks. The cargo hold of the ship. And her mom, like her mom basically getting sick and dying. But what's even worse is that her mom saw three crows and was like, I'm never seeing dry land again. And it, sure enough, she was right, uh, which is just crazy. Um, but, like, pardon me, drinking some Mountain Dew over here. I'm a little belchy. Uh, diet Mountain Dew, to be specific. Um, there is a really gross moment in the show. And that's when, like, it's the first night on the boat and everyone is, like, seasick. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It yeah. was rough. But it was like, I credit where credit is due. Like, it looked very realistic to the extent that I was like, in my own stomach, I'm like, I can't, I'm going to vomit if I look away. <laughs> Could you imagine the smell of that many people packed into that confined space with no ventilation after an eight-week period? This is This is why, Josh, every time someone talks about, like, well, they were on a boat when they were captured and brought to the United States to work for us. I'm, of course, talking about slaves. I'm like, yeah, that's from Africa to the United States. That is a that is a weeks long, weeks, three to four to be, to be exact, on a fucking giant sailboat. Like, you've got to be insane if you don't think that shit was unbearable. And you don't even know, I mean, did they have a separate bucket for... Vomit? No, not... Not the slaves, no, it was just, it was just urine, on the floor, yeah. Or it's just, did they even have buckets? Just lay it around, you're laying, ugh, ugh, ugh. Yeah, so, it's bad, it's bad, bad news, but, um, you know, and a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of people, a lot of, um, immigrants or, uh, what do you want to call them, um, <sighs> refugees during that time era, uh, the 1700s, the 1800s, when they would come to America, even the early 1900s, for that matter, conditions were just awful. Like, yeah. just absolutely awful. And, like, for the show to not hold back on that, like, really, really well done. Yeah, uh, um, uh, what was a joke I want to say? But, yeah, there was no guarantee that they would make it either back then. Sorry, your phone rang and I was going to make a 24 joke. Um, yeah, it's probably my mom calling. <laughs> your, your, ringtone, your ringtone sounds exactly like the uh, the ringtones from the show 24. So. Oh, okay. That's why I wanted to make a 24 joke. But anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it, like, it, outside that visceralness of that, there, you know, like, the show was unabashed about showing life at that time. Like there, there are a couple moments in the show where Grace has to go to the bathroom. She has to go outside to do an outhouse, which is just wood, and she just sits on a hole in a wooden in a wooden stall and pees. You ever had to use an outhouse before? No, like a legit wooden outhouse. The most I've ever had to use was a port. Oh no, man, porta potty. That's like Trump Tower compared to an outhouse. Oh, I understand. I totally understand. But that's my point, Josh, is like the fact that they like went to that extent, showing her pouring 
what are those called? The 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 gross pots that are under people's beds. Chamber pots. Chamber pots. Thank you. Chamber pots into the into the outhouse. I was like, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so the realism is what I'm getting at. The ex- the extreme extent they went to realism was so so welcomed in the show. I want to go get Madison. But um, but we got uh, we got 30 seconds before we're going to give our recommendations. Anything else in the show, Josh, that you noticed that? Uh, can be kind of praised upon? Well, just compounding upon the realism, like the pamphlets that Dr. Jordan was reading that contain the confessions of McDermott and uh, Grace was an actual reproduction of the actual pamphlets and uh, newspaper clippings from the trial period. I thought those added elements really added the weight of the historical feel. Um, but yeah, I really... Uh, I enjoyed those aspects. I like them. Yeah. All right. So we're going to give our recommendation now. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I, I highly recommend it if it's if if this is the type of show that sounds like something you'd want to watch. And what I mean by that is um, an extent on realism, but also a kind of dissection of mental illness um, based upon traumatic events. Um that's kind of what the show is around, but it's also ambiguous because it has an un- unreliable narrator. And that's fascinating to watch t- for me. Um, it's, it's a, a very talky, very, very talkative, but everyone does a, an excellent job acting that well to the extent that it's not boring. Um, it's also only six episodes and they're 40 minutes a piece. So they're like, it's, it's a really easy watch, but, uh, but it's definitely heavy themed and, um, Again, I, I I couldn't recommend it enough. Like I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Josh, what do you feel like? Or how do you feel? Words uh, are hard sometimes. I honestly did not like it as a show overall. Um, I do recommend it, but I mean, there were things that I did like about it. There are things that I did not like about it. I don't hate it. It's not something I would normally go out of my watch. But I think they did a wonderful job in the way they told the story based on a book that was based on actual actual historical facts and events. And because, you know, that's still basically a cold case to this day, the ending was kind of weak for me in that regard. It's like, you know, other than that, though, um, the performances were strong. The visuals were absolutely great. Uh, so I recommend it if you are into historical fiction, uh, period pieces like that, or if you are into um, stories about uh, incapacitated mental faculties, mental illness, things like that, mental health. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not for me, but it was yeah. well done. Yeah, 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 no, I totally, I totally understand that. That's yeah, that's hundred percent respectable. It's like it's like when a reviewer gives it like solid six out of ten, and everyone loses their mind and says it's bad. It's like no, I didn't say it was bad. I just said it wasn't that great. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, I would give it an, a solid eight. A real, okay, uh, that's better than I. That's better than I assumed you liked it. Well, I mean, uh, I totally get. I I totally get the idea of not liking it. Ending. I totally understand that because it's it's not. Not everything is is laid out for you, um, but like one of my favorite endings to a film is uh, 
No Country for Old Men. I still need to see that. Um, oh, pe- people hate the ending of that movie because it's like it's wholly, wholly ambiguous. Uh, you ha- like it doesn't really have an ending, but there's a reason that you're shown exactly what you're shown. I don't want to spoil it for you because it's, okay. it's a really fucking good movie and I highly recommend it. But yeah, I've had it in my watch list forever, and I don't even know if it's still on Netflix now. <laughs> Hopefully, it's it's, it's a. I'll get around to it eventually. It's a Coen Brother movie, so I mean, it's you know oh, it's going to be good. Yeah. Why have I why have I not watched it then? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, like like we said, I I mean, check it out if you have the time. If it's something that you, sounds like you're interested in, but uh, we're going to move on to the next show. Um, the next show that we are going to talk about is Mindhunter. Uh, well, pardon me with the, the gassiness. Um, let's find some info on Mindhunter real quick, because. Mindhunter was <laughs> very, uh, you know, I also have mixed feelings about Mindhunter. I mean, overall. I, I do too. I, I'll, I'll get to why I do it. Yeah. But, uh, but briefly, I want to want to kind of explain what the show's about. So it's, it's a, and it's American crime drama, uh, a real, real crime drama, whatever, but it's based on a true, a true crime is what it's called. A true crime book called Mindhunter inside the FBI's elite serial crime unit. Uh, the story takes place in the in the seventies. I want to say late seventies. Um, Nineteen seventy seven is where it picks up. Okay, I could I could not remember the year. I was like, I know it said it in the first episode, but you know that's t- yeah, the whole series. summer of Sam thing. Yeah, so so basically the idea is that, and this is all in the first episode, so I'm not spoiling too much. But then again, like I said, we we're spoiling the podcast. Um, the whole idea of the show is that during the seventies the late sixties and mid seventies as a whole, there were a lot of people that were doing killings that were not what the FBI knew. Uh, Essentially like people would kill for a reason. You know, there were, there were the gangsters, there were the jilted lovers, things like that. That that's what the killings were. If there was a murder, that's what it was. And that made sense. But now there were murders that didn't make sense. Um, And uh, one of the, uh, the main character, uh, Holden Ford, or Agent Ford, he's kind of thrust upon this idea of unique killers, unique murderers that uh, probably need or warrant uh, some some study. And um, through the course of the show, he is uh, slowly gaining the ability to do this. Um, for me, the show didn't pick up to the extent that I adored until they met their first serial killer um, uh, by the name of, uh, uh, oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank on his Edmund name? Edmund Kemper. Thank you, Edmund Kemper. When they spoke to him, that's when things got really, really interesting for me. Uh, primarily because he is he's just a fascinating, he's a fascinating case study of a serial killer. This type of person that doesn't kill for a direct reason, they just want to. Um, and when he spoke so eloquently and calmly about his murders and about the rapings and things like that, I legitimately felt shivers. Like, he genuinely creeped me out. Um... And honestly, 
the show was only good, in my opinion, when it was about that. Uh, I don't know if you felt the same way, Josh. But... Absolutely. Okay. Because the stuff that had to do with Ford and Tench and, and Milf or Debbie and Carr around their like social life, I just didn't care. Anything that dealt with their at-home lives, immediately I was just like, this sucks. Get back to the meat of this show that is fascinating and captivating. That's why I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, fortunately, the things with Carr and Tench and their home lives is used sparingly, but still overused, I think. What um, was the whole thing with her and the fucking cat and tuna? I didn't care. Yeah. It never went yeah. anywhere. It never fucking went anywhere, and it just no. wasted time. Exactly. It's like, okay, she does laundry in just a pair of panties and a nightshirt and drinks wine while she does it, and there's a cat she leaves tuna for. Whoopty shit, that screen time that could have been filled with Edmund Kemper or Richard <laughs> Speck or, you know, one of these cases that they help out on as they're perfecting these new techniques. Yeah. I don't care about those things. And I thought those were the weak points of the show, but the rest of the things were just incredible. Yeah. Like full on. There's a, the guy that plays Edmund Kemper, Cameron Britton, Cameron Britton, you deserve an award. He does. He does. Because I didn't know until after I watched the show last night, I uh, finished it up last night and uh, or yesterday afternoon, I started doing a little research. I didn't realize that Ed Kemper was a real life serial killer. I didn't I know until you told me this morning. <laughs> I knew that Richard Speck was. And, I, you know, they referenced Charles Manson. They referenced uh, Davy Berkowitz. Yeah. But when they said Richard Speck, I was like, wait, I know that name. He was a legit serial killer. So I started looking at the show. And I'm like, oh, shit, Ed Kemper's a real serial killer? Oh, my God. And the thing is, Cameron Britton, the actor that portrayed him, his his body language, his cadence is like Dead on. mirror image perfect. Because I went back and I watched some interviews with Ed Kemper. And the thing is, the interviews that they used as the dialogue scenes in the prison with these killers are lifted from videotaped and audio taped transcripts of the actual interviews with those individuals, which makes it all the more chilling and terrifying. Absolutely. Like I, I this morning after you told me this, Josh, my mother's been watching the show as well. Boy, I just don't want to use the word mother anymore the way that he uses it. My mom was watching the show, is watching the show. <laughs> uh, and I, I tell her, I was like, hey, um, I don't know if you know this, mom, but uh, you remember the character Edmund Kemper? She was like, don't spoil the show for me. And I was like, no, 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 no spoilers, no spoilers. But the character Edmund Kemper, she's like, yeah, that creepy ass serial killer. And I go, did you know he was real? And she was like, yeah. I was like, wait, what? She goes, yeah, yeah, no, no, no I remember that case. I yeah. was like, I was like, I just, she's like, yeah, no, he's, he's 100% real. And I was like, I, I'm impressed that the show went to the extent of using real serial killers. And she was like, why is that? Why is that impressive? And I go, most shows that do things like this do based on, and instead of having Edmund Kemper, it'll be like Edward Keller or something like that, you know? Yeah. And it's, and, and so that's what I was expecting. That's what I assumed. And the fact that like, 
no joke. Edmund Kemper, Monte Russell, Jerry Brudos, Richard Speck, Dennis Rader, all real people, all real mm-hmm. serial killers that were interviewed at that time. This well, Rader, story- Rader wasn't interviewed at the time. He was actually, he didn't get caught until 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. He's the guy that they show in Kansas at the cold open of each episode that you see him like at work or doing walkthroughs, selling the security systems, things like that. And then later on, you see him at the end shot, the burning of these sketches and things. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I meant to say is that he was. He's a real serial killer is what I meant to say. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so what, what Josh is referring to is at the beginning of every episode, there was a brief like maybe a minute, minute and a half long uh, video of a guy who later we find out is Dennis Rader or, or Ratter. Is it Rader? Rader, I think. I don't even think they actually said his name in the series. No, they never do. He um, They call him Dennis, but never used his last name. I think people figured it out because of various things. But um, what I'm assuming is going to happen is that as the show goes on and we move further into like, other cases and how they further this psychological study uh we'll get to raider but the fact that they were showing very br- oh boy i'm unprofessionally burping um um as they previously keep showing hey stomach you done um <laughs> as no. they keep showing him it's it's obvious that he's a serial killer like the way he holds himself the way he carries himself the the way that he is like preparing a room. Like there's a moment, I think it's an episode two or three where he's walking through a house and it's, it's dark. It's kind of, you can kind of see like dust in the light beams of, of wherever he's walking. He's touching things very creepily. And then he walks into like a kitchen room and the way that they position the camera was like, Oh my God, is he going to do something to this woman? But no, she was the owner. She was part owner of the house. Her husband was at work and she was just like, Hey, you're the security guard or a security, um, House security guy, like you're gonna set up our ADT, and it totally like threw me off, and I was just kind of like, "Oh, is he casing the joint?" As as like before, he decides to do some, like what is he doing? And then, uh, it was in it was in no way, shape, or form were they ever trying to get you to think he wasn't a serial killer. Like they were a hundred percent going to that direction. Um, and then the last shot of him like throwing pictures he drew, because he was going to do it. He was going to kill that woman, but she didn't make it home. So she didn't come home that night. So he had to leave. Yeah, he he did some nasty, terrible stuff. I'm I'm looking at his his uh, wicked the BK the BTK Strangler. Mm-hmm. Uh, the BTK stands for Bind, Torture, and Kill. Uh, yep. He's serving ten consecutive life sentences in El Dorado facility in Kansas. Whew, man. Mm-hmm. What, what I that, found. Go ahead. I say that's what the show does so well is it makes you it makes you understand that psychopaths are genuine real world monsters and in no way, shape, or form. Like if they talk and you listen and you aren't immediately creeped out, then there might be something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. Um I just thought it was you know, the, the two characters, the two agents, uh, Ford and Tench, they're also based on real-life FBI agents. They were just 
renamed and just a few details reworked. Like uh, um, Ford was based off of John Douglas. He was the one that actually wrote the book Mindhunter. Uh, and oh. he was the one, yeah, he was the one who actually created the whole psychological profiling. He actually legitimately interviewed all these people, including, and I'm hoping we'll get to this next season, Charles Manson, David Berkowitz, and John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> Please get to that. Oh my yeah. God, that's exciting. Like, it's, it's weird how fascinating, and I, I think you'll agree with me, Josh, it's weird how fascinating serial killer minds work. And I say weird in a, in, in a fa- like it's weird that it's fascinating because we're not psychopaths. At best, at best, we have a tinge of narcissism. Um, but no way, shape, or form are we psychopaths, sociopaths, anything like that. So when, we, when you delve into the mind of somebody like that, it's so different that it becomes fascinating. But God help me if it doesn't fucking make my skin crawl. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, and I will send, I don't know, did I send you that link uh, to the Edmund Kemper interviews? I watched half of it and I was just like, my jaw was on the floor. I had fucking goosebumps the whole time. I was like. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that, that's what made Cameron Britton's performance as him all the much more impressive. And that guy as creepy as he is, he is a model prisoner. He has turned down his past like seven or eight uh, parole hearings. And he's even said, don't even have a parole for me anymore. I am not fit to return to society. He teaches computer science to prisoners uh, for, you know, reformation programs. And he's won awards for recording books on tape for the blind. But he knows he's not fit to function in society because he knows he will do it again. That's what is astounding about that man's mind to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that's another thing about the show, dude, like we talked about earlier, that sucks so hard, is that there's so much bullshit between the cool stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The whole... Ooh, you know, I'm an FBI agent and I'm straight laced and, you know, by the book on the outside. But that's the thing about Ford. His interrogation techniques are borderline illegal, almost coercion in a lot of ways. Um, Right, right. Well, I was just reading a lot of them would probably be. What's 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 fascinating uh, briefly, because I just I just kind of stumbled upon this, but. Um, the main character in all of the uh, Hannibal books mm-hmm. uh, is Jack Crawford on... was heavily based off of John Douglas, who yeah, is... and then and then of course, of course Hannibal is based off of Douglas's work. Well, not just Ed Kemper, but apparently like a lot of the other uh, serial killers that Douglas interviewed. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like Thomas Harris basically was like, oh, <laughs> let's mm-hmm. look at all these. Let's let's look at all this and. Uh, other shows like uh, Criminal Minds uses a lot of stuff that Douglas wrote. Um, He's been <sighs> instrumental in a lot of cases as well. Uh, he's he's done good stuff. Um, it's, yeah, um, it's fascinating work. It's absolutely fascinating. And when the show portrays that kind of thing, I eat it up. 
I love it. Give me more. When the show shows him going to his 24 year old, you know, progressive feminist, uh, UVA, uh, college student girlfriend, I'm like, okay, you know, a little bit of it's okay to show the dynamic and how she's kind of opening his mind to look at things from another perspective, which I feel helped come into play in his way he was looking at these people and interrogating them and questioning them, interviewing them, not interrogating Um, But okay, we see that she's helped him expand his mind in that way. But I don't need to see him having sex three, four times. Exactly. I don't exactly. need to see them going through drifting apart because she's obviously distancing him herself and blah, blah, blah. I don't care about all that. Show me the stuff. Show me the real meat of the show. Yeah, like I, I, I didn't like, like the best parts of the show are the serial killers by leaps and bounds. Um, but even when they go out on the road school and they end up, you know, helping these small local law enforcement agencies out working on cases, that's still interesting. The techniques that they learned from interviewing these serial killers was great. Yeah, so, I, I, I completely agree. I think, uh, the stuff that sucks, the stuff that honestly really does suck in the show is a lot of the personal life stuff. Like, I get the importance of showing that that Tench is having some serious stress with his wife because of their son, their adopted son. I get that that's necessary to a point. I get that it's necessary to show that when Ford thinks about doing something specific with a, you know, talking to a serial killer, it's through a conversation he had with his girlfriend. That's great. I have no issues with that. Um, it's very important to show the struggles that all three of them had getting the behavioral science department to even go like that's important great show that but for crying out loud there's a solid like two episodes worth of the show that is just unnecessary and boring mm-hmm. yeah I think some uh, would say probably more than that but well there were two episodes that were both about 34 minutes long and the rest of them were around 50 minutes in length or longer those two episodes, you could have edited out some of that content and done away with two episodes, and it could have been an eight-episode, 50-minute. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> but, yeah. I hope that there is less of that in the next season. Um, I agree. I but agree. even if there is not, I will still be watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like that, that's the important part that I think we have to keep in mind here. We have 30 seconds to up, so I'm just going to hit that. Um, the show where it's good is so good <laughs> that the other stuff that kind of sucks is forgivable. Um, it It is worth sitting through, it's worth crawling through mud for a chocolate cake. Uh, I don't know if that's the best analogy, but that's the one you're getting. Um, and and I can't express enough how, how much I enjoyed this show. Uh, from the ex- from the from the point of what the show was about, the behavioral science study of the FBI when it came to this new type of killer, that is what the show does well and shows very well. As the show moves on, it gets a little bit more into the personal lives of the main characters, which is kind of like whatever. But um, I thoroughly I, I enjoyed the stuff that is so interesting when in terms of serial killers the 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 unnerving stuff that 
I would recommend the show regardless of that stuff. Like, yeah, you're going to sit through some boring moment. Yes, it's going to kind of suck. But when you get to Edmund Kemper, when you get to Birdos, holy crap, the show accelerates into an area that I wasn't expecting. And I would just watch those scenes again because they're so well done. Like I said, the actor who plays Edmund Kemper deserves the biggest award because he, he did, he did an, an, an unbelievably good job. Um, so my recommendation is pretty high. Um, uh, there's more good in the show than bad. I know that the tail end of our 18 minutes there was kind of shitting on the show, but I mean, to an extent it kind of deserves it. Like there's just a lot of rigmarole. Like there's a whole thing, a whole thing where, um, uh, Wendy Carr is giving tuna to a cat and then the cat doesn't eat it one night and it has ants in it. Don't know why that was a thing we had to see, but then we saw it. Um, so, other than that, I think the last two episodes were the most disappointing uh, because we we got we we definitely took a huge detraction off of the serial killer stuff, which was the most fascinating stuff, into a more personal area. So I don't know. It's that and the internal politics and yeah. uh, internal affairs kind of thing and what it's going to set up. You know, and I think they had to do some setup too, but yeah, like like I said, really... I, I like I said, I recommend the show, but there's some boring moments that you're gonna have to sit through, and I'm just warning you that there are boring moments, but definitely still check out the show because it's still well worth your time. Because of those moments that do occur, that when it pick up, that it pays off Absolutely. in a big, big way. So I assume and... you also highly recommend it. I do, I do. If you're a fan of uh, crime dramas or, you know, once again, it's a historical piece, you know, more recent history, but it's set, you know, heavily based on real real events uh, in the late 70s. Um, if you enjoy things like that, definitely watch it. If you enjoy crime dramas, definitely watch it. If you enjoy incredible acting, watch it for Cameron Britton alone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Understand. <laughs> um, uh, if you If you are a fan of serial killers or uh, things like that definitely worth it do not watch it with young children around uh, uh both I shows i'm mean, straight both shows both don't shows watch with children do not yeah which i did not do uh, she was <laughs> at school both days and i wore them with my headphones while misty was working and watched them with the headphones on so yeah but uh you know i enjoyed it overall more than you know, like I said, overall, I didn't enjoy Alias Grace overall as a whole, but I enjoyed a lot of things from it. This I enjoy as a whole overall. There yeah. were things that I didn't like as much, but it's a stronger show for me personally, based on my own taste and interest. But yeah, absolutely worth a watch. Absolutely, Just be prepared for some disturbing images. Yeah, the, yeah, both shows are going to actually have quite a bit of of. Um visceral imagery that you need to be prepared for uh especially mindhunter because <laughs> they don't they don't shy away from the imagery that the fbi agents had to see so um but guys that's going to do it for our episode today uh let us know in the comments if you've watched either show what your thoughts are on them um 
next week, or not next week, sorry, next episode, we are going to be talking about Marvel's The Punisher, which I'm very excited about. If you know anything about The Punisher, um, character was introduced in the 70s as somebody who was trying to kill Spider-Man, but then learned that Spider-Man was a good guy, uh, but then got his own series where in the 90s, basically, he was ultra-violent and killed bad guys. Um, and he was recently introduced in Daredevil Season 2. Um, but uh, Frank Castle is a huge character within the Marvel series, and people thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy them. So uh, definitely um, let us know if you're checking that out. The other show we're going to be watching is a documentary called Jim and Andy. It has a subtitle to it, um, which I'll look up right now. But the idea of the show is that uh, during the filming of the movie Man on the um, Jim Carrey... Uh, hold on. Sorry, should have left Wikipedia open. Breaking <laughs> up. Uh, Jim Carrey was a a bit of an asshole on set, to say mm-hmm. the least. He um, I don't, I'm not finding the subtitle shit. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um. When Andy Kaufman did his stuff back in the day, um, he went full, uh, like full method actor. Oh, there it is. It's, it's it's Jim and Andy, the Great Beyond, the story of Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman, featuring a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton being one of Andy Kaufman's side characters. Um, basically, when Man on the Moon was coming out, I watched a lot of Andy Kaufman stuff. I learned who he was as a comedian and what he wanted to do as a comedian. And I, I learned so much about him that when I saw Man on the Moon, I was like, Jim Carrey did an amazing job. Shortly after Man on the Moon came out, I had read that Jim Carrey was an asshole on set because he always thought to himself, well, if, if, if Andy's going to do this, then I'm going to do it too. I'm going to take things, quote unquote, too far. So he was a terror on the set and people hated working with him. There were actually people that came out after the movie came out was just like, yeah, I don't ever want to put Jim Carrey again because of this movie. So the studio hid the behind-the-scenes footage hope, or like in fear that people would just think Jim Carrey is an asshole. And it did hurt his career a little bit. Um, so years later, they're like, let's release the footage in a documentary format, talk about both Andy Kaufman and Jim Carrey and this whole method acting format. Let's talk about, you know, let's show the footage of, of the movie, like behind the scenes. And it's just, I'm very excited about it. Like, <laughs> like... Talk about fascinating minds. Here we go. Um, so uh, so both Marvel's The Punisher and Jim and Andy are going to be for next episode. Definitely check those out. Um, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube and you want to only hear the review of Alias Grace or Mindhunter, I will have um, timestamps down below. Uh, so definitely click on those if you don't want one, one show or the other ruined. Um, uh, Josh, where can they find you online besides Twitter, which I mentioned at the top of the show? Uh, well, I do stream on Twitter uh, at nsubanoir76, my Twitter TV channel. Um, taking a kind of a couple weeks off, but I'm a variety streamer. I do random things, do miniature painting, model builds, gaming, the occasional cooking stream, uh, just whenever the mood strikes. Awesome. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely check that out, guys. Uh, it's a good time, no matter what he's streaming. Uh, you can find me on Half Empty Energy Tank. That's twitch.tv slash half, half, sorry, twitch.tv slash Half Empty E Tank, or 
H E E T dot TV. But I stream every Saturday there. Uh, if you're watching this on, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say dates because this is a recorded podcast, but here we are. If you're watching this by the 17th, on the 18th, I will be playing um, Lego Marvel Heroes 2, um, which I'm kind of excited about. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, guys, come check that out. Um, and on this channel, technically the Twitch channel, but also on, on YouTube here, uh, Anthony and I do a weekly video game news podcast. We talk about things that happen during the week in terms of video game news, discuss our opinions based on that stuff, and uh, yeah, usually I disagree with the internet half the time, and uh, The internet's never wrong! I play devil's advocate. <laughs> but, uh, but guys, thank you for listening. We're trying to make the show shorter. Um, I noticed that the last episode was about an hour 30, uh, so we want to make it a little bit more digestible so that's why i'm putting a time limit on what we talk about uh but yes guys please let us know in the comments if there's anything you'd like to see differently if you would like to be a part of the show as a guest in an episode or if you want us to watch a specific show that's on netflix and don't limit it to just netflix even though this is an unofficial netflix podcast we will try to watch other series like an amazon series or a hulu series or something to that effect as long as it's on the internet and the series is in a dropped format where all the episodes are available all right guys that's what i'm gonna call it thank you for watching and we'll see you next time. take care everybody <laughs>